All right, good morning, 1115. Everybody good? Aren't you so grateful for that song this morning? Just the truths that it reminds us of. We have an advocate. We have a defender. Well, if it's your first time or your first time in a long time, we want to welcome you. My name is Jim. I'm one of the pastors here, and I would love to meet you, get to know your name after the service. But we're going to be in Daniel chapter 2. If you have your Bibles or you can look up on the screen this morning, Daniel chapter 2 in your Bibles, we're in a series entitled Divergent. We're talking about Daniel. And Will started us out last week with chapter 1, and we learned um, a couple of things, a couple of key things that we're going to be touching on today as well. But we learned about walking in favor, in the favor of God, right? Amen. And how even one small decision can bring us so far. It can make the difference in our entire lives. Just one decision like Daniel decided about what he was going to put into his mouth. And it put him in front of the king. So we're going to talk about a little bit more about that today in chapter 2 with Nebuchadnezzar and his dream. Anybody not have dreams? Never remember your dreams? You don't, you, maybe you do have dreams, but you have no recollection of what those dreams are. You can't, nobody, everybody dreams very vividly in full color. Okay, Will, that's right. Will doesn't dream. Neither does my boss, uh, Mr. Arnold at Chick-fil-A. He, he just doesn't, he thinks that he doesn't dream. He's like, well, if I do dream, I don't remember it, so what good is it? But I'm one of those, maybe you're like me and you have like the full, the full cast, full color, award-winning Grammys going on, those type of dreams. Yes. Like, I mean, I had last Monday, not, yeah, this past Monday, I was dreaming that I was in this huge soccer stadium and they were looking for somebody with a gun. He had committed a murder and I was running through all the concourses trying to escape. I was like up and down the different levels. I was trying to find a way out of here. There was even like, um, I, you know how dreams don't make sense all the time, but there was like drag racing going on in the concourses. And so... I'm trying to dodge that, and the police are after me, security's after me to tackle me to the ground, and then I had this undercover cop who was working concessions, and she was doing popcorn, and she was like, I've got a trap door, and so she pushed her popcorn thing out of the way, and I went through the uh, trap door, and I was safe. I was outside. I was Sierra Pacheco. She was my <laughs> undercover, she was my undercover cop. If you work at Chick-fil-A, you know who she is, but I mean, the craziest dreams. I mean, I dream in full color, vivid detail. I'm the one rescuing the, the villain, or not rescuing the villain, but rescuing the, the kitten and, and capturing the villain. I'm the one lifting up the car with one hand. I have all these hero dreams because I guess that's who I'm meant to be inside. But um, we've got one of these... Uh, dreamers, if you will, in Daniel chapter 2. And sometimes we've, we have some of those dreams that you wake up and they're just kind of hard to shake, like they were so vivid and so real, and it's almost like they really do apply to your life, and there's some type of deeper meaning there. Is that just me, or does anybody else think that way? I know it's not as common anymore because we do have the fulfilled and complete Word of God. Yes and amen to that. God speaks through His Word. He speaks through prayer. But sometimes some of these dreams, you guys, they have me shook. Like It's like, man, God, is God trying to tell me something through my dreams? Um, and, the, and even in the Old Testament, it was even more prominent because they didn't have the Bible. 
So they made a big deal out of these visions, out of these mysteries, out of these dreams. They even employed people. The rich kings and the rich rulers would even employ people, magicians and scholars and sorcerers. And they would employ people to come tell them the interpretation of these dreams. It was a big deal. Um, God, on the other hand, the flip side of that is that God would always have his prophets before the word of God is here and complete, he would have his prophets and those prophets would tell the dreams and they would tell the meaning of those dreams and they would have the revelations from God for a certain group of people. But we have that kind of scenario in Daniel chapter two. It's a long chapter. We're going to read part of it together. But before we get there, I just want you to know um, that Daniel is going to play a significant role in this story And the title for my message today is Holding Court with Kings. Holding Court with Kings. You see, those decisions that we made in chapter 1 last week with Daniel, those decisions, those resolutions we made in our mind, those are important. But sooner or later, those decisions are going to be tested. Those decisions are going to look you in the face and say, are you going to be true to the resolution you made? Are you going to be true to the purpose in your heart? Or are you going to fall in with the crowd? That happened to Daniel in chapter one. He was faced with the decision and then he went through with it. He truly did not eat any of the king's meat. And then chapter two, he's faced with another test, this dream. It's what you do with those decisions that determines whether or not you're a divergent like Daniel. So let's stand. We're going to read part of chapter 2 together. Not the whole thing because we would, that would take up all of my time. If you, if you uh, want to know, just ask somebody who was here first service. That's all we did. We just read the Bible, prayed, and left because it's that long of a chapter. But Daniel chapter 2, I'm going to start in verse 1. In the second year of the reign of Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar had dreams, his spirit was troubled, and his sleep left him. And the king commanded that magicians, the enchanters, the sorcerers, and the Chaldeans be summoned to tell the king his dream. So they came in and stood before the king. And the king said to them, I had a dream, my spirit is troubled to know the dream. Then the Chaldeans said to the king in Aramaic, O king, live forever, tell your servants the dream, and we will show you the interpretation. The king answered and said to the Chaldeans, the word for me is firm. Here it is. If you do not make known to me the dream and its interpretation, you will be torn limb from limb and your houses shall be laid in ruins. But if you show me the dream and its interpretation, you shall receive from me gifts and rewards and great honor. Therefore, show me the dream and its interpretation. Verse 7, they answered a second time and said, Let the king tell his servants the dream and we will show you its interpretation. The king answered and said, I Know with certainty that you're trying to gain time because you see that the word from me is firm. If you do not make the dream known to me, there is not one but one sentence for you. You have agreed to speak lying and corrupt words before me till the times change. Therefore, tell me the dream and I shall know you can show me the interpretation. The Chaldeans answered to the king and said, there is not a man on earth who can meet the king's demands. In other words, it's impossible. For no great and powerful king has asked such a thing of any magician or enchanter or Chaldean. The king, uh, the thing that the king asks is difficult, and no one can show it to the king except the gods, whose dwelling is not in flesh. Verse 12, 
Because of this, the king was angry, very furious, commanded that all the wise men of Babylon be destroyed. So the decree went out and the wise men were about to be killed. They sought Daniel and his companions to kill them. Then Daniel replied with prudence and discretion to Arioch, the captain of the king's guard who had gone out to kill the wise men of Babylon. He declared to Arioch, the king's captain, why is the decree of the king so urgent? Then Arioch made the matter known to Daniel, and Daniel went in and requested the king to appoint him a time that he might show the interpretation to the king. That's where we're going to stop for today. I'm going to summarize the actual dream and this interpretation for us later, but I want to save us time. Um, Let's pray and you may be seated. God, would you just help us to get through this service? And I pray that your words would be known, that we would glean some truths about how to be divergent like Daniel this morning. How to truly walk in favor with you. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. You may be seated. So today I want to give you the divergence path to prominence. The divergence path to prominence. All of us, I believe, seek meaning with our lives. All of us signed up for some type of purpose for the lives. I don't think any of us are here wanting to live a life of obscurity, not matter, not amount to anything, just kind of fade off into the sunset. Anybody, is that your passion? Just kind of fade off into the sunset, no meaning, no purpose to life? I, don't th- I didn't think so. Because we want to have meaning. It's built into our DNA to have purpose, to have prominence, to matter, to amount to something. Daniel shows us the process for that in this chapter as he's called upon to interpret old Nebuchadnezzar's dream. It really boils to one main thought. I want to leave it with you today. It's an extension of the truth that Pastor Will brought to us last week, and it is this. When you and I move beyond the great, remember the grace and the favor, when, we, when you and I move beyond the grace of God and we walk into the favor of God, and how do we do that? Obedience, faith, same thing. We not only walk into the favor of God, but we walk into the favor of man. Favor with God awakens favor with men. And this is not a prosperity message. This is not a health and wealth gospel that I'm trying to communicate today. This is a biblical process that, yes, and amen to the favor of God, but we also need favor with men. And that's how, that's how we're perceived so differently to this world is because we have the favor of God on us. And the Bible says in Proverbs 22, no, that's not the right one, but it says somewhere that God is able to turn the heart of the kings. It's in Proverbs. I do know it's in Proverbs. Cut me some slack. But the Bible says in Proverbs that God is able to change the heart of kings. That's talking about how when we have the favor of God on us, he allows favor with men to happen in our lives. I want that. I don't know about you, but God's favor is great. I can't take God's favor to the bank and pay my mortgage. Oh, well, you know, it's God's favor. I've got God's favor on me, so uh, don't look for me. Just ask God because I've got God's favor. You see the disconnect? The favor of God, yes, yes to that. We walk in obedience to that, but 
Sooner or later, we need that favor of God to come on down and work in the hearts of men. Create a path for us. Open some doors. Get some yeses. You know what I mean? So here we are. Daniel tells us how to walk in favor with God and men. How do we hold court with kings? How do we find the path to prominence in our lives? A couple of points. Number one, expect the opportunity. That's what Daniel did. He expected the opportunity. In chapter 2, verse 1, we read that this is, I don't want you to miss this because it's important. It was in the second year of the reign of Nebuchadnezzar. Some scholars believe that that means it's the second year of his reign by himself because he reigned with old Papa for a while in chapter 1. It was Nebuchadnezzar and his dad. I guess dad wasn't ready to turn over the reins yet, but Here, Nebuchadnezzar is in the second year of his reign, so it could mean his individual reign, or it could mean that Nebuchadnezzar is in the second year of his reign from the point where Daniel, the writer of this book, had had stood before him in chapter 1. Either way, the point is this. There had been some time gone by between the end of chapter 1 and the beginning of chapter 2. There's a couple of years there. What would you do if you had purposed in your heart not to eat the king's meat? You're building up, you're, you know, you're getting the foundation ready, you're making those decisions, you're walking in the favor of God, and all of a sudden the lights go out for a couple of years. What would you do? There had been some time here. Now we're in the second year of the reign of King of Nebuchadnezzar. And the other reason why I know some time had gone by is that if I were Nebuchadnezzar and I had just had an encounter with Daniel, this great man of wisdom, he'd be the first guy I'd call to interpret my dreams, not the last. But it shows us in chapter two how Nebuchadnezzar forgot about Daniel. Oh, there, there is a guy. Oh yeah, okay, well bring him to me. Maybe he's got the answer. But no, he went to all the Chaldeans first. He went to all the magicians and sorcerers and essential oils and all that witchcraft first. I'm just kidding. <laughs> You know I had to. <laughs> I love you people, all you crunchy people. Um, but there had been some time, and I wonder, I wonder if there's somebody here today who thinks that God has forgotten his plan for their life. Is there anybody here today who said, maybe, maybe God's misplaced my purpose. I feel like I'm just floundering here in the dark. I feel like I'm, I'm in year two. I had a moment, I, I, I felt that calling and I resolved in my heart that I'm going to carry out God's calling on my life, but where's the opportunity? Everything has just gone dark. I feel insignificant. I feel no purpose. How come the doors aren't opening for me? How come the opportunities aren't presenting themselves? And I'm sure there's a point in Daniel's life where he said, I should have just had the steak. What was all that vegetable broth for if I'm in year two and nothing's happened? What was God doing? Here I'm in captivity. I've sacrificed my diet to this vegetable broth. I should have just had the steak. Man, I missed out. No, Daniel resolved. He purposed in his heart. And here in chapter two, you know what Daniel's doing in the dark? The same thing he did in the light. He's forming habits. He's creating habits. He's staying faithful. He's being consistent. He's showing up. He's praying. He's doing all the very same things that he did with his three buddies in chapter one. And somebody here needs to know 
that what you do in the dark will be revealed in the light. What are you doing in the dark? What are you doing when nothing is coming together? What are you doing when your purpose isn't being fulfilled before your eyes? What are you doing when the dream isn't interpreted for you? Daniel used this opportunity to get consistent, to get faithful, to keep grinding. And he let his daily decisions that he made in chapter one, he turned those into habits. So those dark seasons are not forgotten. It's not that God has given up on his plan. It's not that God has misplaced your purpose. You're growing in that season. Your opportunities in the works. And here's how I know that. The Bible says that the Chaldeans couldn't interpret the dreams. They couldn't, even tell, they couldn't even tell the king what the dream was. Maybe Nebuchadnezzar didn't even know what the dream was. The Bible doesn't say. The Bible just says that he wanted the dream and the interpretation. That he, excuse me, he wasn't going to settle for just one. Maybe it was that he had little scattered thoughts of what the dream was that was keeping him up all night for nights and nights. It could be that he needed all those puzzle pieces fitted together for him. Either way, the Chaldean said, dude, what you're asking is impossible. There's no way somebody can tell you, Harley, what the dream was and the interpretation. You're crazy. That's impossible. That's an impossible scenario. You're not even giving us a fair chance here, King Nebi. Like, at least give us some type of hint. Give us just one clue, and we're good. We'll run with it. We'll tell you everything else. The king said, no, you're just trying to buy time. I'll tear you apart limb by limb unless you tell me the dream and the interpretation. To the Chaldeans, it was impossible. But that's where your opportunity begins. When you and I start hearing the word impossible thrown around, Maybe it's in your own thoughts, and you're like, I, there's no way. Do you know me? I know me. There's no way I can do that. That's impossible. Maybe this world looks at you and says, we know where you came from. That's impossible that God could do that with your life. It's impossible. Get ready, because your opportunity is around the corner when you start hearing the word impossible thrown around, when the world or man, your own thoughts, start using that word, God is moving into action because I'm here to tell somebody today that opportunity is triggered by impossibility. Opportunity is triggered by impossibility. Daniel started hearing that word impossible thrown around the kingdom of Babylon. He said, it might just be our time, boys. It might just be time to show up. It might be time just to come out of this two-year dark season. I think our, our opportunity is around the corner. And here it is. The Bible says Arioch, who is the captain of the king's guard. That's a good, strong boy name. If anybody's having a boy around here, Arioch, you know. I don't know. He was going to kill Daniel, so I don't know if it's the greatest name in the world. But here he is. He came to serve Daniel's death sentence. He came to Daniel and his four friends who were grouped together, you understand. They were grouped together with all those men of wisdom, the astrologers, the magicians, the sorcerers. Daniel and his posse are just thrown in that whole bowl of fish. And so Daniel's, ha- Daniel's life was at threat and his, his buddies too. 
And so Arioch comes and says, here's what's going on. I've got your death sentence. And Daniel says, whoa, 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 whoa. The Bible says that Daniel responded with discretion. I love that. He knew there were some questions he should be asking. He knew there was an opportunity that he didn't want to miss out on just because he was in the dark. He had heard that word impossible, and he knew if it's impossible for man, I bet it's a possibility with my God. So let's give it a chance. And so your opportunity can come dressed in disguise. What I'm trying to tell you is that I'm sure Daniel did not plan on using a death sentence to launch his career in the kingdom of Babylon. But here he is, he's been served death papers, and he's like, I'll take that as a promotion. Thank you very much. He's been served death sentence papers. And he's like, that's exactly what I was waiting on. That's going to get me in the king's court. Your opportunity can come dressed disguised, people. It might be the very thing in your life meant for evil. It could be the very thing meant in your life to destroy you. And God's saying, that's going to be the key to your victory. That's going to be what I bring breakthrough to your life. It could be the death sentence. It could be the very thing meant for evil. It could be that big thing that you think is going to take you down and expose you for all your faults and failures. And God's going to say, that's what I'm going to use, Emily. I'm going to use that, and I'm going to put you right in position of my will. I'm going to put you in the center of not only favor with God, but I'm going to put you in the center of favor with man. I'm going to put you in king's courts. Number two, make the appointment. And this could be the whole sermon for most of us today. Number two, make the appointment. You want the divergence path to prominence? You want to have meaning? You want to have significance in your life? Expect the opportunity and expect it to come disguised. Secondly, make the appointment. This is the process to prominence for a divergent. Daniel made the appointment. I don't want you to miss this. So look in chapter two, look in chapter two really quick. And I want you to go to verse 16. This is after Arioch had come. Arioch had explained the situation like, dude, I don't want to kill you, but I'm supposed to kill you because you don't have the dream or the interpretation. Old Nebi's mad. He's killing everybody. He's going to start over. Verse 16, and Daniel went in. Daniel went in. He just heard the news. Verse 16, Daniel went in and requested the king to appoint him a time. Make the appointment. God's telling some of you today, I don't care that you don't have the answer. Daniel, at this point, he hadn't even heard the dream. He hadn't even heard the interpretation. He had zero solution for the problem. Zero. Nada, nothing. He had nothing. He had no secrets that he was keeping, but he went and he made the appointment with the king anyway. He made the appointment. If you want to be on the path to prominence, if you want to walk not only in favor with God, but also man, expect the opportunity, but make the appointment. Make the appointment ahead of time. Daniel made the appointment before he ever got the answer. I love that about Daniel. That shows his purpose. And by the way, he's used to doing this. He did it in chapter one too. The Bible says in Daniel 1 verse 8 and 9, 
Notice this in Daniel 1, 8 and 9. But Daniel resolved that he would not defile himself with the king's food or with the wine that he drank. Therefore, he asked the chief of the eunuchs to allow him not to defile himself. Daniel purposed before the permission was granted. Is anybody out there? Can I get a witness? Daniel purposed before the permission, and he made the appointment before he, before he ever got the answer. That is called faith. That is called walking in obedience under the favor of God, people. Make the appointment. People who purpose their heart make appointments without answers. We call them divergent. That's not the normal way of doing things. So many of us in our spiritual lives, we wait, see? We're waiting on God to give us a sign. We're waiting on, God, I'm sitting on go. I'm literally sitting on go. God, all I need is the answer. All I need is to know how you're going to make it happen, and I'll do it. God, all I need to know is the answer or the solution, and then I'll show up. And God's saying, but what if I need you to show up first? What if I need you to show up so I can show out? I'm not just going to show out on my own here. I could take the glory, but I want to use vessels. I need vessels. And he's asking if there's anybody here today, anybody at Decided Church today that's going to say, you know what, I'll make the appointment. I don't know the answer. I don't know the solution. I don't know what God's up to in my life, but I'll step out in faith. I'll pick up the phone. I'll make the call. I'll book the flight. I'll start the project. I'll forgive the offender. God's looking for people who are going to make the appointment ahead of time, without knowing all the details, without having the interpretation. How's your faith doing? This is a whole different level here. This is a divergent level. This is a divergence path to prominence. Not normal. And if you're a believer and you're walking in obedience and your faith has not moved you to do something that makes no rational sense, you're doing it wrong. You're missing out on the fun. Faith is just that way. It works opposite to the thoughts and processes of man. Faith says, I'm going to move out of the Ur of Chaldees into a land that I don't know. I'm just going to start walking. Faith says, I'm going to build a boat. It's never rained before, but I think I'll build a boat. Seems like a good day to build a boat. Faith says, I'm going to go before Pharaoh and say, let my people go, and I don't even know how to talk. Faith says, I'm going to face a giant, and I'm not even bringing a weapon. Faith says, I'm going to make an appointment with the king, and I don't even have the answer yet. What's your favor with God and man? Yeah, let's do that. Let's be on that level. Let's make some appointments today. The rest is easy stuff. Number three, involve your community. Daniel didn't go alone. He went back to it. Immediately, we read this uh, in chapter 2, verse 17. And Daniel went to his house and made the matter known to Hanani, Mishael, and Azariah, his companions, and told them to seek mercy from the God of heaven concerning this mystery, so that Daniel and his companions might not be destroyed with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. Verse 19, then the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a vision of the night. Oh, you know what God's doing in the dark? Remember the darkness? He's just given you the answer to the mystery. 
He doesn't do that in the light. He does it in the dark. So while you're waiting in the dark and you think your purposes are not being fulfilled and there's no meaning to your life and you're not seeing all the things that God put in you realized in your life, maybe he's trying to give you the revelation to the dream. He gave you the dream. Now he's got to give you the interpretation. That's what he does in the dark. They literally prayed down the answer from heaven. I love that. Are you circling up your wagons? Are you involving your community or are you trying to do it all by yourself? This is my plan. If I share my plan with somebody else, they might try to hijack my plan. It's really okay. Involve your community. Don't go through life alone. These four young men literally prayed down the answer for Daniel that Daniel needed to go speak before the king. Involve your community. Circle up the wagons. Have you held an old-fashioned prayer meeting with your four close friends? Favor with God is great. You know how we get to favor with man? Prayer. We pray into that favor. We walk into that favor with God. We do it together. We involve our community. Number four, bring your boldness. Now, we don't... Okay, so... All transparency here, this chapter is 49 verses long, and the rest of it is talking about the prophetical aspect of Nebuchadnezzar's dream. So Daniel, to make long story short, Daniel goes before King Nebuchadnezzar. He says, King, I'm here at my appointment. And now I can bring my boldness too, because God gave me the answer last night. He didn't say that, but... Daniel goes through, not only does he tell Nebuchadnezzar what the dream was, he said, there's a big statue, there's a thing, there's a big man. His head's gold, his chest is silver, his waist is bronze, his legs are iron, and his feet and his toes are iron and clay. That's the dream. Now here's the interpretation. You're the gold head, Nebuchadnezzar, as if you didn't know that already. He was, Nebuchadnezzar was full of himself, by the way. Self-absorbed, prideful dude. He's like, you're the gold head, but guess what? There's going to be some kingdoms that come after you, bro. You're not the end-all, be-all here. He says, there's going to be a kingdom come up called the Medo-Persian Empire. That's the silver chest. And then the bronze waist, guess what? That's the, Greek, the Greeks. The Grecian Empire is going to take over. And then the Romans are going to take over. And then there's going to have all kinds of little kingdoms and offshoots after the Roman Empire is destroyed. And all that's to say there's going to be one uncut stone, Jesus Christ, the cornerstone. And that stone is going to knock into the giant's feet. The whole thing is going to come crumbling down. And that little stone has become a mountain referring to the kingdom of God. And all that to say, Nebuchadnezzar, you're not that big of a deal. You're temporary. There's a lot of kingdoms come after you. And then eventually there's going to be one that crushes you and blast everything into oblivion. The Bible word is actually pieces so small they can never be assembled again. And yeah, can you imagine being Daniel saying, dude, I'm going to walk in here and tell this king the dream and the interpretation, and he's going to like it because I don't care what he thinks. But <laughs> dude, he, you got to give it up for Daniel. He brought his boldness. It literally says, I want to take you to the end of chapter two here. It says, 
at the end of verse 45, Daniel says, after he gets through all that, basically telling Nebuchadnezzar, dude, you're, you're going to die and people are going to capture you eventually. And he says, a great God has made known to the king what shall be after this. And then he says, the dream is certain and the interpretation is sure. So there's no, there's no room for feedback here. I'm not looking for your interpretation of what I just said. I'm telling you, it's done. Like, it is settled. There's no changing it. That's the dream. That's the interpretation. That's boldness, guys. The path to prominence is paved with boldness. You got to bring your boldness. Daniel involved his friends. Yes, he brought his boldness too, because at the end of the day, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were not standing with him at this moment. He brought his boldness. And then I love this. Get out of the way. Once your work is done, give God the glory. Don't just keep standing there. You're not the statue after all. Daniel deflects all the glory and the praise for revealing the dream and the interpretation. He says, it's all God, Nebuchadnezzar. If there's anything that you should be humbled by this morning, it's not the other empires that are going to come take you down. It's the God in heaven that's the revealer of mysteries. And he's come to tell me through me, tell you through me, this is how it's going to go. Then we see Nebuchadnezzar. He honors Daniel. He, um, it says at the end of verse 46 that he commanded an offering and in, the essential oils be offered up to him. <laughs> Just kidding, because they were already in the palace. Because all the witchcraft and sorcery going on, they already had the essential oils. Right? Get it? I'm just kidding, whatever. <laughs> I'm just picking on you crunchy people, that's all. So the king gave, gave David high honors, Daniel high honors. Daniel made a request of the king. Guess what? He never forgot his buddies. I love that. I don't even know if there's really a spiritual application there, but don't leave your buddies behind. <laughs> Daniel says, hey, oh, Nebi, I meant to ask you, can my friends have like a job in the kingdom? And he's like, oh, sure. Let's just make them rule over the whole province. And Daniel's like, oh, okay. And then Daniel specifically stays, it, it says it in verse 49, but Daniel remained at the king's court. Wow. From total insignificance to a career in the king's court, all because of a dream, and really all because of a decision. And that decision led to obedience, and that obedience put him in the favor of God. And the favor of God put him into the favor of man. And now he's holding court with kings because of what he chose to put in his mouth. You understand how those small decisions stack up? You can go from zero to 60 like Daniel because of one small decision you make. I want that kind of path. I want to take that type of divergent path, the one that the world does not understand, the one the world looks at and says, that's impossible. But we know that impossibility is our opportunity dressed in disguise. So walking in favor, walking in favor with God, walking in favor of man. I don't know about you, but in my life, there's been several instances 
where God has shown me if you, if you step out in faith, and Jim, if you would just go ahead and make the appointment, I'll show up for you. Show up for me. Show up for me. Make the appointment. Take a step out. I will show up. And there's been instances in our life and through our church's history of how we got this building, of how I was even called to preach, of how we moved to two services. These are all small instances, small decisions, really small. But we continued to make the appointment for God and he came into that appointment and showed out for us. So I don't know what that looks like for you. Maybe today is the day you need to make the phone call. Maybe today's the day you book the flight. Maybe today's the day you forgive the offender. You heal the relationship. I don't know what it is for you, but if we're going to hold court with kings, God's asking some of us, I'll, I'll put you in that place, but you got to make the appointment yourself. I have a plan. I do have a plan. I do have a purpose for your life. Make the appointment. Make the appointment, and I'll show up. Let's pray. God, with every head bowed and every eye closed, God, I know that each person here wants a life of purpose. They want a life of prominence. They want the favor of God. They want the favor of man in their life. Teach us to expect the opportunity. God, teach us to make the appointment. Teach us to involve our community. Teach us to bring our boldness. God, help us to realize the severity of even the smallest decisions and habits in our life that amount to big things. They really do. Teach us to be divergent like Daniel. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I don't know what's on your heart, but maybe you know exactly what this message meant for you. You know exactly what the message meant. You've been putting things off. You've been putting a phone call off. You've been putting forgiveness off. You've been putting off this project, this thing, this calling that you know. You know that you know that you know is God's calling on your life, but you're waiting to see how it all works out. You, you're waiting for all the answers to the problem before you step out and God's saying, I wish you would just show up. I wish you would just make the appointment. If that's you today, can I encourage you? There's people in the back. We have a prayer team now. There's people in the back posted up right now that would love to pray with you, that would love to take this moment and would love to pray with you. Literally pray down the answer just like Daniel and his friends. Don't do this alone. Involve your community. Part of doing that is asking for prayer. And if that's you today and you need prayer, you need somebody just to wrap their arms around you and say, let's pray together. Let's, let's pray down this answer from heaven together. Let's go ahead and make the appointment together. If that's you, just head to the back right now. We've got wonderful people, caring people waiting for you. They're not gonna tell all your business. They're gonna keep it between you and them and God. So if that's you, take advantage of that opportunity this morning. God, I just pray for this church that we would continue to walk in favor with you and favor with man as we continue to grow and multiply this year, that we would be a divergent church, that we would choose a different path, that it would seem irrational to the world, but it would make all the sense of the, of the world to you. 
God, would you open doors for this church? Would you put us in contact with certain people that you have for our church that would say yes, that would be the door, that would be the next breakthrough, that would be the victory? Only you can do that. You, God, the revealer of mysteries. God, we're so thankful for this day. I pray that you would help each one of us go out and live our life in obedience and faith, that you would show us what it means this week to walk in favor with God and man. We love you. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.